let's get down to it. You have been on a journey with me through the book of Acts that has spanned over a year at least. I think we started it two Augustuses ago. I think that's what I think. That's what I think. We had some breaks and stops in there and took our time through this journey. And today, my friends, it comes to an an end, maybe, or maybe just maybe not. Let's let's see here. We have been on this journey, and it is a powerful book, the book of Acts, and it is a rich recording. I want everyone to hear this. It is a rich recording of the power of the Holy Spirit, full stop. That's what the book of Acts is. It is a rich recording of the power of the Holy Spirit moving through people and situations, establishing fellowship communities, communities of fellowship that make up the capital C church. We're here because of what the Holy Spirit started then to further the enduring and foundational gospel truth of Jesus Christ as Lord, Savior, and King. And the church said amen. Good. Rachel, you were right there with it. I loved it. Thank you. I hope at different parts of this journey that you saw where God may be, be using or calling you or maybe us as a church to be an active participant in this history. Because we'll see today that the book of Acts doesn't really end as much as it just kind of stops. And I think this is by godly design because the acts of the apostles, the acts of Jesus' church needs to and must and always will continue on. And it continues on to this day. It's like running a marathon race. Has anyone ever ran track in here? Track stars? Oh, all right. Good job. I did not run track. Uh, be that a surprise for everyone. Um, did not do that. I was what you would call portly uh, in that junior high and senior high age. And running, I ran fast to the table for dinner. But I don't know about that. But there was this one time in gym class where they had us do a 50-yard dash. And I was like, dash? No. Door dash? No, no. But no, then that wasn't around in the 90s. I digress. 50-yard dash, which is a sprint. So they lined us all up. So we're all lined up. Here I am, hating life. And the gym teacher says, okay, your mark, get set, and go. So not being one to back down from competition, I went. And lo and behold, my friends, hear this God's honest truth. I was in the lead. I was winning on this 50-yard dash. And I was thinking, this is amazing. How is this the bragging rights that I was going to have? And we're running and we're running. And they're getting to the finish line. And I went over and over and just fell down, tumbled and rolled as everyone passed around me. You know what happened? So I was portly. And my belly kind of got ahead of my feet. And this weeble's wobble sure just fell straight on down. The momentum got the better of me. I was sprinting. I was concentrating so much on winning that I was not even figuring out the fundamentals. This is a race that we are running as a church, my friends. But it's not a 50-yard dash. It is not a sprint. It's a relay race. And what we are doing as we look at the book of Acts and come to a stopping point today with it the baton is being passed on to us. As the baton gets passed on, we pick it up, we take it, and we begin to run our part of the race. And it's a marathon. As Paul says, we press on to the upward call for the prize that Christ has for us. That is what we are doing until such a day where we will take this baton and we will pass it on to the next generation who will take it and run with it. Because 
as Jesus Christ has promised us, the church of Christ is going to endure. It will not fail. And the gates of hell will not stand, withstand against it. That's why the book of Acts doesn't come to an end. It just kind of stops at the end of Paul's story because other apostles and other disciples and other people of God are picking up the baton and running. The tagline for this series is living out our firm foundation as Christ's church. It's been on that screen. There it is, a little bit bigger now. It's been on the title screen every, every Sunday, this little tag, living out our firm foundation as Christ's church. What does that mean? And over our course of study of Acts, I, I whittled it down to three fundamentals, three areas of what it means to live out our firm foundation that we saw in Acts. The first one is the importance of evangelism. Everyone say evangelism. Evangelism, right. The importance of evangelism. The second one is the strength and call to persevere. Say persevere. Persevere. Very good. And the third one is resting in the assurance of God's will be done. Evangelism, perseverance, and resting in God's will be done. How does that make up the firm foundation of which the church is called to be and to do? Well, if you think about it, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus gathers his disciples together, he gathers them together, he's about to ascend, and he gives out the Great Commission, right? We all heard the Great Commission before, if you've been in this building. If you haven't, the Great Commission is therefore now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have taught you, and surely... I will be with you into the end of the age. And when we as a church, churches all over across the ages, have taken that great commission and like discipleship. We need to make disciples. We need to teach them and learn them in the ways of Christ. And I've heard that the great omission to the great commission is the idea of evangelism. Because before discipleship can even happen, people have to respond and come to an awareness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what the book of Acts does all throughout. All of these all-star people continue to press on and evangelize and share their faith so that people would turn and know who Jesus Christ is. And they persevere. They push through and they press on. No matter the speed bump, no matter the roadblock, no matter the storms, they continue to keep on keeping on. Resting in the third thing, the assurance of God's will be done, which is the fuel to our light. It's the fuel to our empowerment. It's the fuel to allow us to continue to share the good news. To sum it up, we end Acts with a powerful statement today. You ready? Here it is. A statement that embodies our evangelism, our perseverance, and reliance on God's will. Being a bold and courageous, I've said that several times, witness, without hindrance. You ready? Y'all excited? Whitney, I see your game face, and I'm here for it. All right, let's dive in. Let's look. We're going to read the end of Acts, Acts chapter 28, verses 30 to 31. You may be wondering, hey, Mike. Mike. Verse 29, you never mentioned verse 29. 
So if you saw last week, I put it up there. Someone reminded me I needed to tell everybody. So verse 29 has been omitted from a lot of translations. And the reason being is that the verse has not been found in the earliest of manuscripts. And so they have discovered that. And so a lot of translations have lifted it out of the text because there's not an early, what they call, uh, attestation. Did they say that right? Attestation? Attestation? Attestation. I always get mad. I can't say things. But there's not an early of that. So they lift that out of there. So if you're looking at your Bible and thinking there's a type but there's no verse 29, don't worry, it's just been lifted. So now, Thane, are you, are you okay? I'm better. Okay, good. All right, let's look. Acts chapter 28, verses 30 to 31. Hear now the word of the Lord. So Paul, this is the he that they're talking about, he lived there for two whole years at his own expense. Where's there? It's Rome. If you remember last week, he's in kind of like an apartment kind of thing, and uh, he's under house arrest. So he's still under captivity, but the Romans are allowing, the, the government is allowing him to have visitations. He's allowing to have people, friends to come and visit him, attend to his needs, things like that. So he's there, lived there for two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's where we get our tagline, to be bold and courageous witnesses without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What does boldness mean? What does that mean? We've said it all through the, the series of Acts. What does it mean to be bold? And all through, actually, the, the book of Acts, you'll see that word being used several times in regards to people sharing their faith. In the context for Paul and, and, and what we're seeing here, boldness simply means, this Greek word simply means freedom of speech, to be able to speak freely. Doesn't need to couch anything. He doesn't need to hedge anything. He has no fear. There's a lack of fear of what others may say, feel, or think. He just openly shares it. Right now, Paul in Rome is one of the most dangerous people that can be in that city right now. He comes on the authority of God, surviving shipwreck and all sorts of things, and they allow him, the all-star evangelist, to be in the city to set up residence and have visitation. Instead of going out into the cities and, and as is his habit, and causing up a stir and whatever, which served its purpose in the first parts of Acts, now here at Rome, where God has now brought him, he becomes the most dangerous person of all because they don't notice him. They don't realize him at first. And he has these visitations, he has these people coming to him, and he just gets to continue to share freely and openly about the kingdom of God, teaching about who Jesus Christ is. The Trojan horse is in the building, my friends. They don't recognize the power of the gospel of the Roman government. It's this sect. It's this thing. Now, eventually, they come to an awareness of this because we all know the stories of Nero and the horrendous things that Nero did to Christians. But here at this moment, they've let the horse in, and he's doing his thing. They failed to realize also how many Roman centurions along the way, all through the gospel and into Acts, kind of almost defected and have come to an awareness of who Jesus is and pledged their loyalty to him. They're totally not getting that. For me, it has direct imagery to Jesus as well. 
being the most dangerous person. If you think about Jesus and his ride into Jerusalem, because that's the other thing too that we haven't preached on. We don't have time to go through everything that's here. But if you go through the latter parts of Paul's journey and match it up to Jesus's latter parts of his earthly ministry, there are direct parallels that are happening here. And I see the ride in of Jesus on the donkey, the conquering savior that they all thought he was, but coming in on a donkey. They didn't realize who he was. They didn't realize what was going to happen. Same thing here with Paul. It's earthly powers versus the kingdom of God. That's what we're seeing. And it's all for the sake of the furtherance of the gospel so that the gospel gets into the far reaches of the world. Paul writes in Philippians, and I put it on the screen for you here because my wife said that I need to start doing that. So there you go. It's there. Look at Philippians. Look at his reasonings as to why he is here and for what purpose. Philippians 1, verses 12 to 14, written while he was in prison in Rome. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold. They're more free. They're more willing to share and to speak the word without fear. Time and time again through Acts, these all-star evangelists, Peter, Paul, Stephen, Philip, Luke highlights their confidence to not only share the truth of the gospel, but their boldness and their freedom in sharing it. Think about Peter. He was in houses he wasn't supposed to be in. He had to have visitations from angels to say, go there. Paul, who his past had killed Christians, and now God, Christ brings him in front of people in synagogues to experience stonings and beatings. Stephen dies, but does it stop them in any way, shape, or form? Do they ever, oh, I can't, I can't talk about, no. They freely share and freely speak about the goodness of Jesus Christ that they have experienced. They're embodying the John the Baptist principle where the gospel writer tells us that John the Baptist came not as the light, but came as one to bear witness to the light. These evangelists, these apostles and the Acts of the Apostles, they know that they are not the all-stars. They know that they are not first chair. In fact, the book of Acts comes after how many books? The four Gospels. Then we get the Acts. They know that they're not first chair people. They are here to just point simply and to share boldly the goodness of Jesus. Now, why do they do that? How do they have such great confidence? All through uh, the book of Acts, I've heard different folks say that, well, the, the apostles were different. They had face-to-face -face knowledge, and they obviously had some superpowers going on. And I just, yeah, maybe the Holy Spirit was doing maybe some more active things in their faces then. I don't know. They're just dudes. They're just men. They're just like us. So what gives them the confidence to stand in front of rocks to stand in front of government, to stand in front of all the things and continue to boldly and genuinely share their faith. And this is what it is. It's that assurance of God's will. I think it's because they have been so touched and so gripped by the power of their salvation through Jesus Christ that it is a real deal thing for them. And why I think that's a struggle for all of us now 
it's not that we would say that Jesus, like in this room, that Jesus isn't real or anything. Why is that the struggle now? Is we have so many more things that are vying for our attention, for purpose, and for meaning in our lives. And it seems that the salvation piece is just something that we take for granted. We take the blessings for granted. We forget about the goodness that we have received from Jesus because there's other fancy good things to take our attention. And when we do that, when we begin to take for granted of those things, two things can happen. One, we begin to rely on our own power, our own will, our own thoughts, and think we don't need Jesus. Or the opposite happens. We begin to concentrate on our own insecurities and our own not eloquent of speech. And I don't know the Bible, so therefore I can't share it. And we think about all the ways that we are incapable of doing the very thing that Christ has called us to do. My friends, whether you think of yourself higher than you should or lower than you should, what you are doing is stepping into a lordship seat in your life that doesn't belong to you. We become the judge, the jury, and the executioner of our own lives. And that's not what Christ has called us to do. He's called us to share and be witnesses of his goodness to all nations. I stated last week that we can be bold and courageous. We can be bold and courageous, and that is the thing that has gone through this entire sermon series that we need to speak freely and openly about the wonders and majesty and kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. But let me also caution you here too, that even though boldness is a freedom of speech, to speak without couching and hedging anything, it doesn't also give us the license to be bulls in the china shop. It doesn't give us the license to go and take a Bible and beat people over the head with it to get right or get in line or, or something. It doesn't give us those licenses. No, that's not what I see here. I hope you didn't see that in Acts either. I just hope you saw just confidence and perseverance and speaking openly about the hope that they have with others. It comes from the understanding that we fully trust and obey and the parting promise of the Great Commission that says, surely, Jesus, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what boldness means. If you're struggling with your sense of boldness, go back to what I said before. Are you just too busy with other things that it's just not that important? Or are you so imprisoned by your insecurities that you think you're not able to do the very thing that Christ promises that we're going to be able to do? Think and pray on those things and remember that God's will will be done and that you don't go about this on your own. So bold, courageous witnesses without hindrance. What does without hindrance mean? Well, without hindrance here is a legal term. So don't all fall asleep here on this. No, snooze legal, right? But basically what it means, there's no official impediments that are in the way. There's nothing that laws or anything, there's nothing in the way of you continuing on. I think for Paul, the better way to explain without hindrance is saying that he's not stunted, Okay? that there's nothing about his, his message and his actions that are, that are reduced or stunted or impeded in any way, shape, or form. Think of all the things that he went through. A shipwreck, marooned on an island, his own past of everything that he's done, he has been stoned several times, and yet these earthly imped impediments didn't stunt him changing lives and sharing the gospel. It's significant that 
Jesus brings Paul to Rome because now what we get is the kingdom of God going toe-to-toe with the kingdom of the world. And the message of Christ now infiltrates the kingdom of man. It calls all of those, every one of us, who join in the kingdom of God through Christ to be about that kingdom above everything else. And therefore, when roadblocks and storms and things get in the way, we know that we can move past those things. It should never affect the perseverance and the race that we are running in our bold witness. The kingdom of God, the people of God do not conform to the patterns of the world. They don't allow the chains and the shackles and the impediments to stop them. And they don't allow civic laws and rules that get put into place hinder their witness to the world. I've been asked a couple times to to make a statement about our elections and things that have happened a couple weeks ago. And what I'm going to say to you about that is, no matter what side that you fall on with any of those things, do not let it hinder the power of your witness. Do not let it hinder your ability and your freedom to share the love of Jesus with other people, to seek understanding and talking, to not draw a line in the sand and say, this is it or not. Don't let, that's earthly impediments, my friends. Don't let that happen. We're of the kingdom of God. We are over what is happening here. And that's also happening in in the town of Rome as well, town, in the empire of Rome also. You don't think that there is major culture things that Paul is trying to speak into But he does so freely and boldly and without hindrance. He doesn't shy away from the truth that he knows. And he's hoping to save some. I'm hoping to get some folks to respond to this gospel. And that's all that we can do as well. The gospel witness that comes from the Acts of the Apostle are done so with confidence and perseverance in the Lord, resting on his goodness and the truth of salvation that they have experienced. We have witnessed them in philanthropic situations. We have witnessed them in boldness situations, genuine of spirit. We've witnessed them listen and guide and teach and intentionally seek after people, and that is what we are called to do. They followed their Lord, their God, over all hindrances and all trials, and they became ambassadors for Christ. Gospel agents. That's even more cool to say. Not so much ambassadors of Christ, gospel agents, right? Yeah, don't be shocked. I know the move. No, gospel agents. Exercising love and charity, grace and mercy, boldness and courage so that we can save some. What does that look like for you? Does a gospel agent sound exciting? Does it sound motivating? I'm like, I'm ready to take on the world. Are you more kind of like a 007, secret agent person? That we come in here and we listen to music and sing songs and listen to a message and then we leave forgetting everything that we have just been taught to keep religious matters private because that's a private thing and I'm not going to make any waves. Where are you at on that spectrum? Acts ends with its all-star evangelist in prison. Paul is in prison at the end here. Luke just stops. He's there for two years, and he continues on without boldness and without hindrance. Period. The end. This puts the power and the importance not on Paul, but on the message that he shares. 
on the message that he shares and whom he is imprisoned for. See, Paul's life is going to end. You and me, our life, our ministry is going to come to a close for this context of the church. So before it does, let's make sure that we run the race, the marathon, as best we can, holding on to that baton, teaching people about the handoff. And as we get there, towards the end of our ministry, to be able to hand this thing off so that the church continues to endure forever and ever. Amen. With all boldness and without hindrance. Because that's going to happen whether you run well or get your belly over your feet and fall down. Either way, that baton's going to get handed off and the church is going to endure. So let's do this together, my friends. Let's not go through a whole study of Acts and leave here thinking, oh, that was nice. Let's take from it what God is calling us to be and to do as a church, to be bold and courageous witnesses, to share the gospel because it means that much to you. To remember his goodness and his truth, to share it with all boldness and without hindrances. Amen? Amen. 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 You guys got to hold me accountable to that because, listen, I, when I get on an airplane, don't want to talk to anybody, and I know that the Lord is saying, you just told everyone you need to share the gospel. So I know that I got to do it as well. I hope you all will do it too. God's called us for this season right now in this place, to be bearers of the light, to point to who the true light is. Let's do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this message. I thank you for challenges. I thank you, God, for your scriptures that give us a history of imperfect people doing imperfect things, and you blessing that and doing amazing things with that so that it's not that we that boast, but that we may boast in you. And so that others only see the truth of Jesus, the Christ, Savior of the world. So Lord, empower us to do this. Empower us because we can't do it ourselves. To live boldly, to live with courage, and to share without hindrance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's do every prayer we prayed in desperation. The songs of faith we sang throughout debt with through all our doubt and fear. But in the end, we'll see that it was worth it when he returns to wipe away our tears. I hope that that empowers you. I hope that that gives you a spring in your step and some hope in your, in your witness. That in the end, we're going to see that all of this was worth it. All the hindrances, all the road bumps, the things that stood in the way that caused us to kind of trip up. It's all worth it all for the sake of the kingdom of God being proclaimed here and now for those to join. So go now with that power. Share that with people in whom you come in contact with. Give them the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, all God's people said, amen. Have a great day, everybody.